I've got exciting news. We've got sticker merch. Mouthful with Shanti brings you captivating conversations that cut through the bullshit while laughing about it. We elevate marginalized voices. We shoot the shit. We have a good time. Support this very free podcast and its production costs by donating to my Venmo at Shanti Charan. S-H-A-N-T-I-C-H-A-R-A-N. DM me your address after you Venmo. I will mail you one of our new stickers. Thank you again for your support. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest, we've got the hilarious Butch Escobar, uh, one of the first comics that I met when I first started out. Uh, I've known him for a really long time. I appreciate uh, what he brings to comedy and what he brings to the conversation that we have today. Uh, We talk about the time that he spent in and out of jail and how that really impacted his journey to mindfulness. So here we go. So I like to start off with an icebreaker question. Sure. If you could be anything in a in anything in a kitchen, except aside from food. Okay. If you could be something in a kitchen. Yeah. That is you. What would you be and why? Um. A well placed picture. A well placed picture in a kitchen. Okay, and what type of picture? Like a dope one that you're gonna leave up for a long time, so I could be there and watch life happening. Nice. Not, I mean, to me, a kitchen is one of the most exciting places in the house, right? It is. It's my favorite place. And I wouldn't want to be something that gets used and thrown away after a while. I wouldn't want to be anything that gets eaten. Yeah. And so I'd like to be something that gets to observe from a good point of view. That's why well placed, you know? Yeah. Uh, and somewhere like, where you can be appreciated also. Yeah. Like my friend has this uh, Whitney Houston clock in her kitchen. Right. And every time I'm in the kitchen, I'm always like, hey, Whitney. Yeah. You know? That's, That's actually such a you answer, actually, because you are observant as a comic. You know what I'm sure, saying? Absolutely. Like you observe you. things. So that answer was very you. Yeah, that's good. I'm yeah. already waiting today. Nice. I wanted to finish the one you were talking telling me about earlier about how your your partner helped you grow. Oh yeah, because you were asking why do I think she's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. And then, I don't know if you because you've known me for a long time. Yeah. And I'm pretty rambunctious. I'm contentious. Um, I'm a challenger. I like to fight with people. I like to like start trouble. That's what I was known <laughs> for. Fucking Butch is always out there talking shit, starting trouble. And I did. I did. I think a lot of it was because I was um, insecure. And but that's why you're always good to have on on your, on your someone's side. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, yeah. I'm a good advocate. I yeah. mean, I'll, I'd love to. F- and that's the thing is, I remember watching Henry Rollins in an interview with somebody, and he was like, I need something to butt up against. <laughs> you know, and I was, as, you know, and that's the thing is, like, I always need something to butt up against. But now I know that about me. Yeah. But that was the thing with my girlfriend was like when I first met her, I was a complete fucking animal. I was um, not a good partner to women. Um, I probably was pretty, sh- I, I was very chauvinistic. I mm-hmm. had a lot of really, really uh, skewed views of the world. And I don't know how this woman, because she's gorgeous too. She's a fucking fire hot redhead. Um, I don't know how she was like, yeah, this guy's. This guy's a, he's fine. He's going to be great one day. And uh, she hung in there. And she actually, she didn't. She bounced for a while. Yeah. She was like, dude, you need to get over your ex. First of all, I need to go on and do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Because she was also out of, a, uh, we were both out of relationships. She was already over hers, but mm-hmm. I was pretending I wasn't. But I was really, really heartbroken. Uh, I lost a house. I lost mm-hmm. a lot of things. Um, the person I was with probably deservedly took everything from me. 
um, and left me with like the clothes on my back. Literally left me with the clothes on my back. And I met her a few months later. Mm-hmm. And um, I pretended that I was long past. Mm-hmm. And she figured it out. was like, I'm fucking out of here, dude. You know? And like, she's like, you need to fix yourself. But part of her, like, something made her miss me. Yeah. And I remember the day that she came back because um, at this point I was over my ex. It had been way later. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still had stuff that belonged to my son, her yeah. and her, her and her new dude who she cheated on me with. Um, and he, he, you know, I was trying to get it back. I was trying to get any of my stuff back. And he was like, you want it? You come, I'm here right now, motherfucker. Come fucking get it. And I hopped in my car and I was doing 90, uh, down the 880 to get to their house, which was, uh, used to be my house. Yeah. And uh, I was going to get my shit back. And I was going to go to jail. I remember I was getting ready to call my dad. I pulled my phone out to call my dad to be like, hey, I'm going to go to jail today, but I'm going to get Bobby's stuff back. Because yeah. they had my kid's stuff. Yeah. Um, and I get a text as I'm getting off uh, the, the turn off. Um, and it's like, are you nearby your house? I'd love to see you. I don't want to have sex or anything, but I'd love to see you, you know, and and I, you know, one of the reasons I, I stopped talking to her, too, and I treated her like garbage was because I was falling in love with her and I didn't want to, like, have that with someone else again, you know, I was just getting over a relationship. And so, um, but I, dude, I really was, like, feeling it, so I was like, uh, I'm 10 minutes away, and I got off that exit and I went over the overpass I got back on the freeway and I booked it like 110. And if, if you guys don't know, Oakland has no cops. So no one's. And no you one's, have a speeding issue, all right? Both ways you're speeding. No one, yeah, this is what we're going to talk about <laughs> later, too. You need to relax, yeah. right? So, like, I book it back to where she's at. She's at a park by my house. We laid in the park all day and talked. And she said, I just want to be friends. And then I said, that's fine. And then, and then we hung out the rest of that day. And then she said, you want to meet up later tonight? I have the kids with me. Um, and I said, yeah, I have my kid. And I have, I'm going to get my nephew later. Good thing I didn't go to jail that day. Um, and I, uh, when I met, we all hung out. We let the kids go in. And me and her sat out on a curb in front of this arcade. And I said, uh, you got to do what you got to do. And you want to go do whatever you want to go do, you go do that. I know where my heart is. I'm in love with you, and I want to be with you the rest of my life. So if you need to go sow some oats, if you need to go out, and if it's going to take you 30 years, make it 30 years. If it's going to take you a month, two months, I'll be here. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be here. And she was like, no, I don't need to. I don't need to do that. And then after that, it was sewn up. Uh, we went through some crazy shit, but she showed me that was the thing is that she was like, dude, you're a good person, you know? And I wanted to change at that point because I didn't want to feel suicidal anymore. I didn't want to feel like, uh, hate towards myself. I didn't like, I wanted to heal. And I had ended up with a mindfulness practitioner for a therapist on accident. Thank you, Obamacare. (laughs) And, um, at the same time I had picked up a book of like the book of Buddha and was reading through it. You know, and I was like, man, this shit makes sense to me, dude. And I was taking a dump, and it was like, 
was like, in, it was with the Bible. It was next Those to are the, the most spiritual times. Yeah, and I was like going through it, man. And I was like, dude. And I got with this mindfulness practitioner and I started practicing that. Same time, my girlfriend's going through some of her own trauma. Mm-hmm. But when she was younger, she was a Buddhist and very into mindfulness and listening to all these different gurus and mm-hmm. stuff. So she was like, get this book, get that book, get this book. You know, and along with all of that, like, man, like, you know, and her just loving me and being patient with me, you know, when people like know who know who I was and know who I am now, um, you know, that's that's where it came from. And yeah, I I one thing I I did know who you were and like who you are now. And there has been such a shift that when you say mindfulness, it makes so much sense. Um, as to where that shift came from. And I'm really happy that yeah, you're love. feeling that. Yeah, love. Love is the answer. It doesn't matter, though. That's the thing, man, is the Your message. partner straight up came in like a savior, too, with sure. that text. You know, you really avoided your life possibly turning into, um, you know, lost time if you did end up in Well, I, I believe that fate belongs to you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's there, but it's yours to grab. And you have a path. I believe that God, Allah, me, for, it's, for me, it's the universe. The universe is what we belong to. It's what we all are. You are me, I am you. I believe all that stuff, right? But I think that if you believe in God, because it's the easiest term to use, he gives you a path. When he, when, he give, when he brings you into this world, he gives you a path. And he says, there you can follow it. And, you, and it's going to be great for you. But it's going to be hard and it's going to be tough. It's going to be a long road. But when you get what you want, it'll be yours to have. You could do that. But I also give you free will because you're a human being. So if you want to go be a, a you know, uh, a guy who works a in a hoodlum. shoe store or be a hoodlum or be a murderer, um, then go be that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so um, I think that's the thing is that for me, I'm just following my path at this point. You know, like my path. I used to think was about money and fame and doing. This is why comedy is so hard for me right now. I love doing. I love being a comic, but it's a ego feeder. You need to have an ego to do this. Yeah. And at first, when I first got into mindfulness, I was like, I gotta kill this ego, man. I gotta get rid of comedy. I gotta do all these things. But I realized it's a tool that you use. It's it's mm-hmm. just a tool, and you can bring it out and you can put it back. Mm-hmm. And so I try to. I'm trying to learn how to do that responsibly. But as a comic, you're constantly pulling out your ego. And, your and not ego... just that. There's a lot of toxicity in different forms oh, in comedy. God. And when you're trying to live this balanced type of tranquil, at peace way, I have found comedy challenges me in ways that push me to grow. But right. also I fail sometimes right. because I'm like, ah! and I don't want to turn into that. But ego everybody's ego and it's just like nobody matters well it's crazy (laughs) my day in the morning i get up and sometimes i and i'm not i'm not religious to it but sometimes i get up and i meditate Mm -hmm. and i have this huge uh epitaph of buddha on my wall and i look at it and i try to what's that gohonzin um or like there's some buddhist groups when they chant they they face like a Ah, uh, yes. Uh, um, ah, I can't remember. It's like a table or a shrine. Then, yeah, shrine. I just have thing. a, it's just a, it's just yeah. a quilt because I'm still learning a lot right now. Anything can be in and, your mind. And I don't have any real subscription to any real yeah. like solid like Buddhist belief. I just, um, but I, I look at, I look at Buddha and it reminds me of like, uh, 
you know, what I'm trying to learn about myself, what I'm trying to learn about the world and um, my own belief that we're all the same thing, you know, like we're all the same, we're all of the same matter. And, and nothing matters, you know, really like at the end of the day, you know, because uh, uh, part of the Eightfold Path is detachment from, mm. from this world and learning how to detach, you know, but also suffering, and, you know. And so the thing is, is to me, is like trying to decipher all of that. Yeah. And then I get up and I do that and I listen to like some, some gurus and maybe some read some Ram Das and then I log on to Instagram and I see someone fucking got on a TV show and I'm like, motherfucker, that guy's <laughs> only been in fucking comedy for like four fucking years. What the <laughs> fuck, dude? I've been working all fucking, dude, I've been working for 16 years in fucking comedy. This fucking guy just slides in because he's good looking and it's like, yeah. And then, you know, and like, but what I've learned now is to stop and laugh at that and yeah. be like, dude. What's the bigger thing in life that I'm, you know, thinking about where this is just a piece of that or yeah. whatever? Yeah. I feel just, you with that. That's the thing, man. And so, like, to me right now, like, dude, I went through a really hard time that I'm just kind of coming out of where I was like, I don't think I want to do comedy anymore. Yeah. Because I get it's that. not serving what I believe in now. It's not. You know, my the, idea of my rich life. And that's not money-oriented. Your rich life. What is the richness that exactly. comes out of your life? And comedy, does it fulfill you that? You know what comedy used to give me? Better than nutting. That's what comedy used to give me. Killing was better than nutting. And I don't get me wrong, I still love killing. I love killing like I love collecting a dope uh, model car that I could put in my curio. But now you nutting like crazy. But now, now. I'm nutting everywhere <laughs> because I love the forest and I love love and I love like yeah, stay out of the forest. I Bush, love you human beings, you know. But I'm not nutting like like I'm not like ah, oh trees oh. But in my mind, like going and seeing a park. Like yeah, going, like we went to the giant. I love bird watching now. See, looking at like it's so blue. Yeah, it's whoa, that one has red on so it. So when you find joy in that, and the volumes all get turned up on that, the one thing that you had the volume up all the time isn't as loud as it used to be. Totally. And so, how do you embrace that still the way you used to? Because the only way that you could move forward in a business like comedy is to be passionate about it and to be on the hunt and to ferociously fight for what you have. And, and I've learned that my purpose still matters. And so, to me now, it's not a matter of like, this is your destiny or anything, but it is like, I'm still feeling the powers to push me in that direction. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a comic. That's the label that the universe put on the back of my neck when I came into this world. Yeah. And that's the, the path that I'm going to follow. Yeah. Whether I like it or not, that is the path that I'm on. You know, and so that's where I'm at. I love comedy. I don't get me wrong. I love comedy. It's my passion right now. It's just understanding how it waters you and in what ways do you need to be watered. And that's the thing, man, is I think a lot of us are toxic because we're like, Oh, you need to throw everything into this. It's like that's not what life is. You're going to burn out real quick. Go for a hike. Go love somebody. You know, go be part of something else. Have a hobby. You know, honestly, I'm not going to lie. At work with these, with the, the students I have, so for those of you that are listening, I work as an adjunct within incarceration. And some of the students I have, I feel like their perspective on life is like, man, I wish more people... Not that I'm saying comics need to spend some time in jail so they can understand what the fuck I life think they is really about. Should, though. <laughs> I, really, I'm not I, to say. I did. <laughs> I did. Yeah. And it changed my perspective. Yeah. And so I feel like that could really help people. Okay, so you can share to whatever extent you want to, but what did you go to jail for? Oh, I'm a traffic violator. Uh, I'm such a habitual. Let me just tell wait, you. Wait, car traffic violating? I so the first time I got a ticket, 
and and I didn't pay it, I got a warrant in the mail. And I got pulled over, and I was like, I'm going to jail. And they gave me another ticket to go to court for that warrant. And so I didn't show up for that. And when I got pulled over again, they said they gave me another ticket. And I started to think, oh, you don't go to jail. You just don't have to do anything. They just keep giving you tickets. Yeah. And at some point, I got pulled over. The first is <laughs> the first time. And this is probably like six or seven um, driving on a suspended later. Oh, my God. He goes, you have $75,000 in, in traffic warrants. And I almost died. And I remember the first time going to jail. I remember the first time watching those gates lock behind you when they pull down into the fucking jailhouse. And I remember the cuffs. I remember all that. I remember being scared because 75000 sounds like a lot. And everybody in jail starts to scare you because they want you to feel what they're feeling. So they're like, man, that's 90 days for every charge, bro. You're fucked, dude. You're going to be here for like two years. Yeah. Um, no, I got out the next day. <laughs> um, Wait, you were only in jail for a day? Uh, three days is is the, is the how they break it down. So when you go to court back then, it would be like, okay, uh, you got a day for time served. That's yeah. the day they brought you in. Uh, the day you went to court, and then you get out the, like at one in the morning. Okay. And so it's three days. It counts as One three in the days. morning? How do you get home? What do they just let uh, your ass out? And that's the other thing, man, is when you're, they go, don't, you either get a ride or you wait till the buses come in the morning to take you out of here. But if we catch you walking down the road out of Elmwood, you get remanded back for 30 days. And so uh, I hunkered down until my dad picked me up. Yeah. And I remember my dad pulling in and looking and goes, I used to work here. <laughs> Never thought I'd pick up my kid here. You know, and like, man, all that shame and shit happened. Mm -hmm. You know, but then I became a repeat offender after a while. Because what do you mean repeat offender for what? Car traffic? Constantly. Just getting pulled over, not paying a fine. What the Const fuck, butch? Dude, my favorite phrase in the movie at the time was colors when Frog was like, fuck it, I got more time than money. <laughs> and, and so that's how I felt. It was like, I'll just accrue all these tickets and then go to jail for three days. accrue, And then get my license back. Yeah, yeah. Get tickets, get it suspended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then do it over and over again. <laughs> And and so uh, at, at some point the DA, so jail was the solution. So it was three days at a time, three days at a time, three days at a time. You're like, man, I really gotta yeah. fix my problems and go to jail for a little bit. So one day the DA comes up to me and he goes, "You have the most uh, driving on a suspended violations out of anybody in the county of Santa Clara. I have a special uh, writ in the in your jacket." To the judge saying, if you do this again, it's a 90-day mandatory oh sentence. And so uh, I went and did it again, and I got 90 days. And then the last offense was the Ninja Star, um, and I went to jail for that, for a felony weapons <laughs> possession. And I did. They lost me in the system, so I did like a week and a half, like alone in oh jail, God. which a day by your, an hour by yourself in a jail cell. People think, oh, I could do time by myself. Dude, solitary confinements. Man, with how much you talk about how it sucks, you keep going back. <laughs> so you're like, That's when I stopped, though. That's when I was like, I never want to do this again because they lost, because when they lose your information, yeah. they don't know if you're a gang member, if you're a murderer, so if they you're a you rapist. By yourself. So they put you by yourself. Yeah. And isolation is the worst they feeling. They do that now with COVID. If they think you have symptoms, they put you in isolation now. Uh, ah, yeah. that's the thing is I remember when COVID happened because I went to jail long time ago. Like, yeah. like probably m almost 20 years ago was the last time I went to jail. Oh 
Yeah. That's the whole damn. So now with COVID, with anybody feeling symptoms, because it's like locked in, they separate them and it's like, why? It really sucks. They have like four days to like show they're not symptoms. That's the problem with jail. It's like, it's really dehumanizing in ways that I think are unnecessary. But like one of my students told me once, the punishment is already being here. Like, why are they further punishing us with just, like, how people treat us? That's the thing is that it's, um, the worst are correctional officers. Oh, Oh, okay, yeah. Because uh, they treat you, because you're guilty to them. So they treat you the worst, and they do. Like, correctional officers are the worst people on the planet, in my mind. Mm. Because, they're like, there's a few of them that were really nice and were cool, but one time I was in there and I didn't have my ad. They take away one of the things that the jail does is fucked. And I don't know if they still do this, but for for a minute they were taking away your medication. So if you had asthma medication on you or something, they would take it away. But as soon as you got into jail, they'd give you a new one. But someone came in and changed the rules and said the only way you could get new medications is by them contacting your doctor and getting the prescription. So if you have asthma and you take your asthma medicine every four hours and it takes them three, four days to reach your doctor, you're going almost four days without medication. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, I was in there for a DUI and I had a felony weapons possession at the same time. Um, They kept me there for like almost a week and they didn't give me medicine for for almost three days. And I remember, like, because I wasn't going to call my dad. I wasn't going to call my parents and let them know I was in jail. I was going to stick it out. It was going to be, like, five days. It was drunk driving. I was going to get past the, the weapons possession, get it dropped down. I already knew how the laws work. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they told me that, they wouldn't give me asthma medicine. And I was, like, in day two, and I couldn't breathe. Um, I called my dad and was like, because I wanted them to know where I died and how I died. Because I had a friend who died in Elmwood. Because he complained of a headache, and they wouldn't, um, and so they put him in solitary because he wouldn't shut up about it. And then uh, he died in solitary because he had a an- brain aneurysm. We live in a world where we go, we need thirty of people in this class, and we're going to teach them all the same thing, and they need to do the same thing, and they mm-hmm. need to think the same way. That person could probably do amazing things with themselves. They could become a stand-up comic who tours with one of those prominent Mexican comedians in the world. I know that because I was one of those people. Because the teachers would go, Roberto, which was my real name, is so talented. He's so amazing. He's so smart. But he just can't get it together. Mm -hmm. You know, like he just can't. You know, we're having a hard time with him. And, you know, and the thing is, is that whatever it was about me made them, probably the same thing that made my girlfriend sit and go, dude, there's something in you. That's amazing, but it's blocked by all this bullshit. And but if it wasn't for those people, um, you know, I wouldn't see have seen my potential because they told me, and it was years before I saw my potential. But listening to them back then, going through jail, going through everything, and then becoming a comic, and then realizing, oh, they were right. And at least with comedy, it's not like having a record keeps you from working that job. Right. Because a lot of people face that bullshit. Like a lot of people aren't comics when they get out and they're Dude, just like, we can't even find a job. So we're going to catch cases selling whatever we sell. Or it's doing crazy whatever. that we call it a reformatory system. Yeah. When when you go, well, then you're reformed. You should have a job. You- it's like, well, nobody's hiring me. And so how do I make money to afford this cost of living? The thing that sucks is that I that we somehow have a system that divides 
um, violent offenders to non-violent offenders, but it doesn't work in the job world. I think mm-hmm. if you're a violent offender, then you should be reporting that mm-hmm. um, to a certain extent. If you yeah. can show that you're not violent anymore, then then and you can pass certain uh, certain levels of certifications, then mm-hmm. then why do we need to bring that then up? That doesn't need to come in, and there should be a system, mm-hmm. you know, that that you could block your record if you could show that you're a good person, mm-hmm. so that when they go into the system to look up your record, there's nothing there. You know, more than anything, I'd love to be talking to the people in your class who would be listening to this or people in, in other positions. Uh, dude, make your own, man. Like, uh, like m- 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 make your uh, adver- adversary, at, um, make the hard times your best teacher. Yeah. And make it shape you into a sharp, strong tool to go out there and do things and for your own. And that count, that kind of ties back to earlier what you were saying about suffering. And I didn't say it then, but isn't it beautiful how we're getting older when we understand suffering, but that helps us understand the challenge of getting to the beautiful part. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so that, I guess I'm seeing a similarity between like talking earlier about noticing the suffering and I guess Embracing it the way it must, so fruits are produced. Right. And, and this, what you're saying, I feel like is aligned with that from earlier. With well, that's the thing. Turning it into something beautiful. So also along with the mindfulness, Buddhism, and stuff like that. And I feel like the guys in jail do think a lot like that. A lot of them are like, I really want to use this, you know, these lessons and these things I'm learning here, and this rehabilitation that I'm, I'm not on drugs or drinking right, right now. Right. And I really want to get out there and like get my shit right, you know? Right. Yeah, and that's the thing, man, is like, uh, you know, um, to me, that's even more of a better opportunity. I'm glad I went to jail. There's yeah, no which part- is why I was like, earlier comics, they so they can recognize yeah, some of these no things. Yeah, there's no part of me that regrets. You know, to be honest with you, I lost my house. I had the yeah. girlfriend that did all those things to me. Um, I could go back even before then where I... Um, I had ADD, teachers against me, my, you know, found my mom dead on my birthday, all this stuff. There's all kinds of stuff that I can make you feel sorry for me for. Yeah. But what I can offer, though, is that um, I don't regret any of it. Yeah. Because I love who I am today. And I love how much I love life. You know, like I love how much I can go to a, a forest now and look at a tree. And nut. And nut. And, <laughs> and go, man, this is beautiful, man. This is amazing. I love that within me, too. My ability to appreciate simple things oh, that I think best. I overlooked for so long. It's the best. Like a bird with a red thing on because its head. Because that's where you're really rich, you yeah. see. It's not your money. That's the thing that I've learned is like, I wanted money because I thought that was going to satisfy me. Yeah. But if I have like a little bit of bread and some good, like a good... Uh, a good brie. Yeah. You know, like, dude, I'll take my last 20 bucks and I'll go buy a fucking dope baguette and a little fucking like half loaf of brie and that'll be my lunch for the whole day. And I know that people will be like, man, you could buy way more spam or something with that shit and spread it out. But it's like, I don't look for tomorrow what I'm going to do. I look for today what I'm going to do. And that's the thing. And I'll say this to, to the, to the, I would say this to the people in your class. Yeah. Uh, you, you got to let go of what's going to happen and be faithful that you're going to be okay. Because the one thing I'll always never forget, I think my dad said this, he's like, uh, you're alive. 
and and the only thing you got to worry about is dying. Yeah. And that doesn't even matter because when you're dead, you're dead. It's, I can't remember how it was. It was like, don't worry about, oh, you're always going to be okay. You've always been okay. And the only time you're not going to be okay is when you're dead. And it mm-hmm. doesn't matter because you're dead. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. So you've always been okay. Every up until now, Chati's survived every catastrophe in her life. Yeah. And, and so you go, oh, all those bad things happened to me. Or they made you stronger. Yeah. And that's what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Right. And so to me, I'm rich. If you ask me, I'm a rich man, but I'm broke. I mean, I'm. It's all your definition of rich. Dude, I rode an e scooter from the train here today. I love that. It looked really fun. But I don't, I don't like. I'm going to take a video of you when you leave. What was the best thing that you ate in jail? Everything. That was Shut not, up. Everything, <laughs> that was everything. Not, everything that was not given to you by the hacks. <laughs> You're like, it was Michelin, bro. No, 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 no. Jail food. I will say this it is. There is. They're like, first of all, I think it's that they starve you till you get in. And then when you walk into the barracks, if you got homies and you know what's up, someone's making something bomb in those little fucking hot kettles at the end of the barracks. Oh, man, I've seen them changing the water out in that yeah, to keep dude. those warm. They, so what they do is that you keep a Ziploc baggie. Mm-hmm. And this one homie, man, he what he did was he took, uh, you get a Shasta Cola if you got good behavior for a month back yeah. then. If the whole place got a good behavior, you get Shasta Cola. He marinated he it. He would take all the cola, the leftover, and he'd pour it in a bag. Yeah. And he'd keep it, and he'd like uh, kind of open, and he'd, he'd dissolve it down to a teriyaki. And he'd add soy sauce, and he made a teriyaki out of it. Wow. And then he killed a pigeon, <laughs> and, he, and he soaked the pigeon in the teriyaki. <laughs> and we had it with some rice. Man. And it was bomb. Was dude. it called Farm to Table? Yeah, it was like Farm to Table. I mean, like. <laughs> I want to know how he killed that pigeon. Bur- pigeons. Was are, it his friend? Pigeons are stupid. He probably, like, gave it a little bit of bread, brought it in. Come here, mijo. I'll take care of you. Because <laughs> you can't say it anymore. The C H I N O word. <laughs> but when we were in prison, <laughs> you were in jail. I mean, that's what we called them. We'd be like, man, they make good ass, like, teriyaki. And they I, call others now. Yeah, they the others. <laughs> yeah, the others. Like, um. Black, white. The or, others are crazy because they would go. Northerners, Bisas, right, others. Others. So the others were crazy because they would go, and this is a Vietnamese dude, would go kill um, birds and shit. Yeah. And they'd bring them back in, you know, or they'd kill the ground owls out in front and bring one of those in. Or every once in a while, if you got a rabbit, I heard that was pretty good. Um, But I didn't get any of that. I just had that one time I had a little bit of pigeon. Yeah. And I was like, this is pigeon? And he's like, it's a dove. And I'm like, no, there's no doves here. There's only pigeons. (laughs) He's like, it's a dove. It's a dove. You know? And I was like, it's like, uh, is it a Vietnamese guy? So he didn't speak a lot of English. And I'm like, no, they're pigeons. He's all, no, they're doves. And I'm like, whatever, man. And it was minced in there. It wasn't like uh, a piece. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. minced up. Uh, yeah. And it had a gamey quality after it went down. Yeah. But I was so hungry that I was like, this is so fucking good, dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he. I, I'm pretty sure. Because I asked the guy, too. I asked one of the other, one of the other, uh, other homeboys that was in there. Uh, and how it works, too, man, for the Mexicans is they come up to you and they go, what's up, man? Are you a homeboy or are you a paisa? I'm just going to tell this to every Mexican dude that's never been in jail that doesn't want to be in a prison gang. Yeah. Always say you're a paisa. Never say you're a homeboy. They're the non-confrontational ones. No one's fucking with the paisa. Well, They're just making baskets and shit I got trying lucky. to hang out. I got lucky because I before I went to jail, I had a homie tell me how it went down. He goes, if you say you're a homeboy, they're like, 
hey, welcome to the casa, homie. Come on over then, dog. Yeah. And you get all the cool shit, but if you ever go to prison, you got to join the big gang. Oh, that's scary. And so if you say you're a paisa, uh, you're pretty much not affiliated. Yeah. And so even though I didn't speak Spanish, I had to sit on the paisa side. <laughs> and so I had to watch like Telemundo. <laughs> older dudes, shorter dudes. All older like, dudes, oh. like weaving shit with their toes. Making jewelry. Yeah, making, <laughs> making like pens with the names Were on it. Were you making necklaces with your yeah, fucking toes? Bro, but bro, he, had, like, a little, he had it on his toes and he's all like weaving and shit. You're like, this is what jail is? Yeah, bro. <laughs> but I remember one time, dude, I don't even know what this was. I was hella hungry. And it was like the third or fourth time I was in jail. To this day, I don't know what it was. My homie's in the corner with another homie. Yeah. And I see him, I'm like, what's up, man? How's it going? We start talking. And he goes, man, you're just in time for the fucking, for the best spread ever. And he had a spread going, dude. Oh! And what's the spread? I know, I know they said a spread is honestly like a whole bunch of shit. It's a whole bunch of shit. What shit? So like, uh... There's beef jerky. It can be anything. It could be beef jerky. It could be bologna. It could be salami. Chicken sausages. <laughs> Any you got your you got your protein chicken sausages. So what you do is you take. I I, I if I can remember, I never Jello, made one. Jello, mayo, jelly, jelly, jelly mayo. Yeah. I've never had. I've never made one. Um, but I they take the bag with all the chips, and then they put the like they take the fucking uh ramen and they crunch that up and they pour that in there and that's like congealing. Uh, I I think that's the congealing method. Yeah, and then they put like chips. Uh, I think they even make tortillas meat, out they of ramen. They cut up meat, and then they put that in there. And then like sometimes they'll roll it inside the tortilla. Uh, but I remember this particular one where we just spooned it out of the bowl. Oh my god, man! I don't know what the fuck it was, dude, but it was the bombest. To this day, it was one of the bombest things I've ever had. Oh, in my that's life. such a. That, that, I'll never forget that feeling. What a predicament! You're like this amazing thing I want to eat again is yeah. only in jail. And I don't know how he made it. I don't know how he made it. I don't know what he used. Don't go back to jail just to eat it. No, bitch. Just... fuck <laughs> no, dude. I'll never, never go back there. One of the things I'll also say, man, just so people don't sit there and think, you know, these fucking crazy liberal people think there's nobody out there's breaking rules or whatever. I was in jail probably for the like fifth or sixth time. Yeah. And I'm in holding. And by then I'm just, I know what's the deal. I know what I got to mm-hmm. do. I'm relaxed. I'm in the back. I'm fucking got my head against the wall. I'm just chilling. This guy comes in and the, the COs slam him in and they slam the door and he's fucking punching the door. You fucking pricks. You fucking pricks. You pieces <laughs> of shit. And I go, hey, fucking settle down, bro. Fuck's your problem? He goes, these motherfuckers right here, man. These motherfuckers keep bringing me in here and putting me in here. And I was like, nobody put you in here but yourself, bro. You're the biggest problem in your life. So shut the fuck up and quiet down so I can sleep. And then I went back to like close my eyes and I was like, I should say that to myself. <laughs> I'm the problem here. Shut the fuck up and sleep. I'm the problem, you know? Yeah, shut the fuck up and go to sleep. And it's like, but that was the realization was like, yeah. Ah, dude, my own behavior. You know, the law is going to be the law. Mm -hmm. Like, to me, uh, fucking cops are lions and tigers. Mm -hmm. And you can't be mad at lions and tigers. Like, like lions and tigers are unreasonable, and they kill for whatever reason they kill for. And I don't think cops should be killing people. Uh, You know, I'm not saying... I'm not saying what they're doing out there is okay. I'm not saying police are okay or whatever. But to me, it's an element of the jungle of, of this... Of the, it's an element of the concrete jungle. Mm-hmm. And so in order to not get eaten by lions and tigers and bears, you need to not cover yourself in fucking raw meat all the time. 
Yeah. You know, and maybe, you know, you could go walk. Maybe there's nothing wrong with walking around with raw meat on you in the jungle. Yeah. But a lion doesn't give a fuck about that. You know what I mean? Moving around the jungle, did you have like a job or a gig or anything in jail? Like, did nah, you work? Nah, dude. Like, as I was always short timing it. Okay. Like, what does that mean? Like, oh, like you weren't there for that I was going to get out. Okay, got it. I didn't got want it. a trustee up because I always felt like they were like, Bootlickers. I feel bad now because I don't think they are. I heard I uh, heard something about being a trustee once. One of the stories. So a trustee in 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 jail is kind of like the main guy. Like not the main guy, he but does the all guy. The work. He does the job. work. He gets to get out of his cell a little earlier. He cleans things up. I'm the teacher that comes in. He asks me, "Do you need me to pass things out?" Like right. things like that. But so I heard one story from one of the uh, rehabilitation officers that are in charge of the college classes. They they get the, the the guys, the classes. So they're not correctional officers. They're like a different thing, but I don't know about. But anyways, they shared that one time someone was really pissed at the trustee. So to get his vengeance on the trustee, he took a shit in the urinal. Oh, my God. Because the trustee is left with cleaning that. Right. Well, so that's dude, how they get I mean, their vengeance in there, man. That's the thing, man. It's like, um, to me, it's like, Every time someone becomes a trustee, they turn into a little bit of an asshole to everybody else. Because I had COs sometimes, especially when I was doing the long run, COs were like, hey, man, you know, uh, if you want, you can do, you, you get the, the trustee program. I'm like, nah, yeah. man. Like, even now, I still have that attitude. Like, uh, for the longest time when I got past the punchline, yeah, I didn't go sit in the green room. Yeah. Because I was all, fuck that, dude. I'm not going to be that person, dude. I actually still am like that when I go on Sundays. I, I just sit. I'm with the people. With the people. Yeah, I'm with Watch. the people. Now I'm so fat and lazy. If there's nowhere <laughs> to sit, I'll go sit in the green room. Um, or if Paco's in there, because I love Paco. Yeah. Um, Paco Romaine, shout out. Uh, but, you, yeah. I, I, that's the thing, man, is I'm a people person, dude. Yeah. I'm not part of the establishment in any, in any direction. Like, I love being... A, a human being mm -hmm. i love being part of the people i read i did um on our podcast history of foods with felipe esparza it, we, we both read this book together um but it really man it changed my frame of thought it's called the history of serial murders from neanderthals to, to now mm -hmm. or from cavemen to now or something like that but it basically explains how like like his this guy's theory isn't that uh his theory is that we're all serial murderers mm -hmm. That we're all murderous people. Um, uh, like we killed off, our species killed off Neanderthals. Mm -hmm. So we're murderous. And his theory is, is that we're all serial murderers, but it just it depends on how much love you've gotten, how much comfort you've had, how much you've been given in life. To push that. To push, to make you go, you know what? I don't want to kill Betty for fucking uh, stealing my food out of the refrigerator. Yeah. You know, because like you have your... Your your uh, neocortex, which is all the thinking and love and embracing and stuff that we do, and you have that that middle part of the brain that I keep forgetting the name of, a limbic system, which is like I just need to eat warm mm -hmm. food, I I need comfort, uh, I need shelter, and then you have your lizard brain that goes I need to fuck and defend myself. Madula blingada. Yeah, and 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 when we first started out, we just had that lizard brain. Then we started to have a warm cave and food, and then the limbic system came. And then we started to group together and feel uh, some sense of community, and that's when we started having neo our neocortex started kicking in and making us do stuff. And so uh, that prevents us. You know, if I have a warm cave and warm food, why am I going to go kill Ugg across the street in that mm -hmm. cave? Because I'm warm, dude. I don't yeah. eat his food anymore. 
And so the more love and nurturing you have, so love is the answer. Yeah. But uh, I always like to know this because you've shared a lot about yourself and maybe people can also relate. Um, but how can someone, anyone, friends, family, uh, your partner, how can people love you better? By booking me. <laughs> what if they have no booking power? Find someone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, how can you love me better by yeah. loving yourself? Yeah. If you're my friend, um, like you're my friend, and if you were to call me and go, Butch, I'm, I'm hurting real bad and I need help, I would be there for you. But the one thing I would make sure you do is love yourself because I can't love you if you're not here. Yeah. Like I can't be near you. I can't talk to you if you're not here. So yeah. just loving yourself. And then also if you're loving yourself, you're going to be nice to me. You're going to be kind to me. We're going to get along. You're a good vibey person. So love yeah. yourself. You Remember. and Jay Rich both, both answered the same. Yeah, Jay yeah. Rich is, that's because Jay Rich is the real man. I, I love both, He's like yeah. the realest person ever. I love, I'm a big. We love you, Jay Rich. Yeah, whenever I see Jay Rich doing good, like one time someone sent me something that was from Jay Rich. They didn't know that I knew him. And it was yeah. him going, if someone sent you this, that means they love you and you're doing great and to keep it up. And I was like, oh man, that's my hope. Oh, like, Jay Rich, we love yeah, you. I love you. Jay Rich, he was getting bomb, bro. Um, Okay, well, thank you, Butch. I thank appreciate you, you sharing yourself. Fun. I want you to share all of your social media so people can follow you and your podcast. Yeah. Oh, just check out History for Fools with me and Felipe Esparza. Oh, check out History for Fools with me and Felipe Esparza um, on YouTube or any little place you can find um, uh, podcasts. Uh, and then if you want to know what I'm up to, uh, shows, whatnot, Butch Escobar, uh, at Butch Escobar on IG, and you'll find everything from my TikToks and everything to there, from there. That's awesome, Butch. I'm so glad that you're here. I I, uh, I think you're one of the oldest people I know in comedy. Yes, and you're, you're one like, of my oldest friends. You're like my original yeah. comedy friends just meeting. Even before I started comedy, right. I had met you. Yeah, you're special to me. Like, you hold a special place. Um, because we've been in this for so long and I've watched you struggle in it and you've watched me struggle in it. And when two people who have that kind of camaraderie, you know, and that time with each other, it's, it's very special to me. Like, it's like, you know, like, I, I know what you've been through. I've been You're through special to me as well. So I love you, man. You're one of my best friends. I love you too. Thank I you remember so when we did a show in Fresno, you, we had, we were talking about this and just like the length of, and sometimes you go a long time without seeing someone, you know, but yeah. it's just like, just as fun. And you know me with the loud laugher. I like Hell me. Yeah, and man. you know, we were getting real today, so we didn't, but I'm telling y'all, when we're in a green room, like, get we get crazy. fucking loud. I know, I don't know they why. They need to tell us to shut Dude, the fuck up. Something I keep telling myself, you need to be funnier on podcasts, but you're always, like, talking this <laughs> weird fucking spiritual <laughs> shit. You should just, <laughs> go be goofy you, but it's like, uh, you know, I can't help it, man, when you have, like, a... You get high before you come into a podcast and you have a deep conversation with a friend. Yeah, it's nice. Because I don't like, that's the thing is, I'm not always trying to make you laugh. And that's what you I wanted what I mean? here. Yeah. I wanted us to just, like, a co comedy, being a comic is one of our parts of us. Right. But, like, I don't expect that part to be served every time. Totally. And I totally. actually kind of appreciate 
getting to know without needing to feel like we have to be right, on. Right, you know? right. But your viewers are going to be like, this guy doesn't sound like he's slinging jokes. It's like, right. Over Fuck here, it. Fucking, no, I know. I don't give a, come see me, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah I'm come funny. fucking see yeah, him. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of funny. You don't have to see me. It's very funny. funny. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much for doing this. Uh, I appreciate you. Uh, everybody take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening. Uh, follow us on Spotify, on Instagram, all the things. Give us a five-star rating if you if you enjoyed it. And uh, thank you so much. And wash your butts. Hell yeah. Spread love. <laughs> all right. Hell yeah. Yay. Yay. We did it. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Please give us a five-star rating if you haven't already. Follow me on Shanti Sharan Comedy on Instagram. And, uh, you know, check out my comedy calendar. I'm going to be recording my first comedy album on October 14th for the Oakland Comedy Fest in Oakland, California. So if you're around and you're liking my vibe, come see me live. Uh, Have a good one.